and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to Mike Yam here momentarily of the NFL Network. Uh, Austin... Well, we'll get to this. Uh, we'll get to this a little later on in the show. We'll talk to Mike here for a second. Lloyd sent me a funny text about Austin that we have to relate to our listeners about Austin's banana allergy that he admitted to in the last segment. <laughs> it, it, during your cocaine banana story, which which was amazing. Yeah, see, that, uh, that was a, a fun not sports report there. Oh, okay. <laughs> more more cocaine banana stories. Gordon, if you could, if you could dial those up. Uh, let's uh, jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, and makes the magic happen for the NFL Network. He's Mike Yam with us here on the big show. What's going on, Mike? Doing great, guys. Appreciate the invite as always. Uh, I guess uh, a slow news week outside of the NFL. <laughs> Picked up a little bit late last night, uh, just a touch. So I'm sure you guys have discussed a little bit about what's happening in the Pac-12. Uh, yes, uh, you could say that. It's it's dominated most of the show. And, of course, Mike, uh, yeah. uh, all our listeners are familiar with your work at the Pac-12 Network. So uh, we'll get to the NFL with you, of course. But sure. give us give us your thoughts on the league moving on from Larry Scott. You know, I think it's like a. I think it's a really good thing for both sides of it. Uh, you guys know as well as anyone. This has been this has been an issue. You know, the national narrative hasn't been a positive one over the last few years. And you know, I think Larry Scott went into this job and did some really made some really shrewd moves that that were super helpful to the conference um, in a lot of ways. But the last few years. It's he's been more of a negative just based off of the, the you know the sort of the public reaction to some of the things that have happened in this conference, fair or not fair. He's just been associated with a lot of those decisions. And to me, I think this is a great opportunity for the league to sort of reset, reevaluate how they perceive this conference and where they want it to go over the next ten years. Because as you guys know, this gap among Pac-12 compared to the other Power Five conferences is only getting bigger. And to me, it was really disappointing to see uh, how this league has been discussed the last couple of years. How you guys know better than anyone with what you know, Utah and Kyle Whittingham was able to do. You know, a season I guess two seasons ago technically, but you guys know what I'm referring to. But knocking on the door for a college football playoff, and yet that national narrative was not one that was super inclusive to the youths. And I, to me, that's disappointing. And I think it got worse this year, uh, you know, with you guys like Kirk Herbstreit talking to me about the American conference, having more credibility than the PAC 12. That's a problem guys. So to me, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a new chapter. And I think a lot of the fans uh, in this conference, I actually talked to Wayne Tinkle uh, at Oregon state earlier today. And Wayne had even was very complimentary of some of the things that Larry was able to accomplish earlier in his tenure. But he's also excited about the prospects of, of what's still to come for this league. So, Mike, when you were working for the Pac-12 Network, did you ever sit there in your office and say, you know, this would be a good thing for the league to do, and this is a good thing, and this is something I would change? What's on your list? 
You know, I spent a lot of time in that building. Um, I've had people, you know, joke with me on Twitter saying, do you have a bed there? It did seem like some of those, some of those weekends, um, you know, the, the, there was an extended stay. Uh, you're right. I did spend a lot of time there. You know, I, it's hard. I, I don't think Larry Scott went into any decision and said, how do I mess this up? That's not, I don't think that's where, where anyone in the leadership role comes from. I think he's been public. You know, some of the quotes that I've seen over the last day now have even said, hey, wish you could have changed some things. You know, the distribution thing was a problem for the conference. We all know that. Uh, you know, the late games, coaches that weren't happy with, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, the administrative part of things with officiating, these are all things that were problems. But, you know, from my vantage point, when I was working at Pac 12 Network, I just wanted to do the best shows that we can. And I know that sounds cheesy, but my God, if there was anything that was related to the Pac-12 that anyone was talking about, I just wanted to make sure that we covered it better than everyone else. And it was unfortunate at times because you would hear about the distribution over the years, and that was well above my pay grade, especially after seeing some of the numbers that were listed um, you know, over the last couple of years for some of those salaries. But, you know, to me, I just wish that they were able to solve the distribution. That's the one thing that I think really would have changed the fortunes of not only the conference, but that has been a really tough year for a lot of people on the conference side, especially on the network side. Uh, you know, clearly I lost my job there and I've had some friends that have also lost their gigs, the furloughs. It, it's, it's one thing when, when I think we look at these situations and say, all right, well, Larry's making almost $50 million by the end of his contract. Well, there's a lot of other people like us, like me, for example, I wasn't making $50 million during the course of, of my tenure there. I've got friends that, you know, have families that are trying to, you know, figure out their, their living situation, their, their bills. How are they going to feed their families with their kids? You know, this is a stressful time. So um, I, I just really, I wish that they were able to figure out that distribution piece. What do you think is the likeliest future for the Pac-12 network? It's a great question, and I've been thinking about it a lot. I, you know, I wasn't even aware of this, guys, and maybe I should have known and I just forgot, but... You know, the downtown San Francisco offices, I, I thought the lease agreement went through 2024, which is when the rights deal is officially up. Uh, it turns out it's 2022. And I've read some comments from uh, some of the school presidents, and a lot of things are still on the table, and there's nothing decided right now. But one of the topics, and I think I saw this on a tweet. Did you guys talk to Kinzano already, or is that coming up later in the we show? Did. We, yeah, we did. We talked to him uh, last hour. Okay, so I don't know if John brought this up or not, because I know he got to talk to a couple of those school presidents. But to me, what I found fascinating was this idea of, like, potentially even moving things. And I don't know if that's a conference thing where they pick up or leave, but, you know, the two are hand in hand. They've shared those, those, the office space for a couple of years now. So I don't know. Like, it's not like you can just – you can pick up and move offices and go to a different part of the country – you can't necessarily do that with a television studio that's as big as the one that we had at Pac-12 Network. So, you know, 2022, like that is that's significant uh, in terms of the timeline for the network. Uh, I, I hope the future. My God, guys, I have so many close friends that are still working there. I, I want that place to thrive and I want it to do it in a big way. So I'm cautiously optimistic that a new commissioner will come in and and try to figure this thing out. But I you know, I'm not naive, you know, that, that negotiation happens, you know, they're not getting SEC money. And, you know, I talked to someone uh, today who covers the conference and, and he felt like, well, the, the deal is going to be bigger than the last one. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to go out on a limb and say that, which would not be a good thing for this conference. I hope they get top dollar because I think that will help from a network perspective, but 
you know, I think the way signs are pointing right now, it's, you know, the Pac-12 network potentially in some trouble, but more specifically, does a partner come in and, and handle a lot of the production? You know, it's the league owning that network creates a very different and unique model compared to everyone else. And maybe, you know, it looked good on paper, uh, but maybe having a more traditional partner could be huge for, for the conference and for the network moving forward. Obviously, Mike, the uh, complications in fixing what needs to be fixed in the conference will take some time. But when we talked with John Canzano, he said one of the first things that he would recommend that a new commissioner do is go out and talk to each of the schools in the league and sit down and listen to what they have to say. And he also brought up importance of a new commissioner understanding the importance of football because it seems at times Larry Scott got a little lost on that. I think there's no doubt whoever, look, there's some boxes that need to be checked. One I would say is the football aspect of things. And it's not, can you draw up a play? Do you understand the X's and O's? It's the business of football that I think is really the key component. If you do have, you know, the football X's and O's acumen, even better, but I think the football part of it is is a problem. It's the media rights, which is mammoth. This really, this media rights negotiation, guys, changes the complete trajectory of this conference over the next decade or so. They either get back to relevancy or they're going to be irrelevant, and I don't know what that means for Power Five and that designation if they can't figure out the money piece of things. And then to what John's point was on the connections on those campuses, I think that's really important. You know, to me, guys, I think there's only a small circle. I've seen some names that have been thrown out there by the media. I don't know if you can get someone that can check every single one of those boxes. Like, like who's the guy that can do media negotiations with networks but also understand the business side of football, that can handle the administrative part, the scheduling part, uh, be a champion for playoff expansion, which really the Pac-12 conference needs more than the other pi- other Power 5 conferences. I, I think that's a hard hard balance to strike. What I do think you can try to do is find an expert that can cover a couple of those and check a couple of those boxes and then be wise enough to know, like, hey, I might not be the media expert, but I'm going to make sure that I have some people around me that can help facilitate those contracts. Because I think if you fall down the path of finding someone who's a media expert, for example, that does that deal, well, what does that commissioner then do for the next five to 10 years? So to me, and I, this is like an outside the box, uh, you know, sort of name that I'll float your guys' way. But I really do. And I, I think anyone who's listening right now knows that I'm not only friends with this guy, but I worked with him for a few years. But I really do think Rick Neuheisel would be tremendous in that role. You guys talked about the connections on those campuses. My God, Rick was a coach at three of those locations. And believe me, I traveled with him uh, all over the West Coast in this footprint. They love him. He can work a room. I think he's willing to listen. And then the football side of things, he's been a champion of an of a expanded playoff for a couple of years. He talks about it on his radio show all the time. We were talking about it those first few years uh, when, when we were working together at Pac-12 Network. Uh, the administrative side of things with football uh, being related, I, I think he'd check a lot of those boxes. And I also think Rick's smart enough to go and know what he doesn't know and get people to help him on that front. So, once again, an outside-the-box name for you guys. But I think a lot of people have – gravitated towards sitting ADs at not only campuses on the Pac-12, but some of the big uh, universities around the country. 
Mike Yam with us from the NFL Network, and uh, let's switch gears to the NFL, Mike. Uh, it's certainly yeah. one of the more fun weekends in sports coming up. Um, are the Bills playing well enough that they can go in and, and knock off the defending champs? Cool. Uh, you know, I think the, the Mahomes situation and his health help them in that regard. You know what's interesting about this? You know, Buffalo has been tremendous, and I wish, and I know we've all been, uh, you know, loving when Dak Moss is healthy and, and on the football field and having an impact for that team. You know, there was a stretch there where we were like, hey, Buffalo is the sleeping giant. Buffalo is the sleeping giant. And then all of a sudden, you know, heading into that matchup against Indianapolis, who, by the way, is a really good football team, I think people started to doubt them. And you started to hedge a little bit. This is tough, man. I mean, Kansas City has been spectacular this season when they are right and engaged. And they are so talented. I think they definitely have a chance because I just don't know about the health right now on the home. So, to me, that, that, that puts them in that conversation for winning the game. And, my God, I mean, Allen has been terrific so far this season. To see his development over the last two years, that quarterback spot, to me, has been spectacular. Um, but right now, it's like, how do you slow down some of those explosive weapons that Kansas City's got? And, and more specifically, if Mahomes is not right, you know, that running game is going to have to be key. But I, I think, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, those guys have pulled the right strings with, um, you know, just play calling throughout the course of the season. And I give him credit, right? Like, you know, week 17, we don't see, you know, a lot of those starters out there. Chad Henney gets some meaningful reps. And what do you know? They actually need him to have really meaningful reps. And he kind of saves their hide a little bit and, and gets them to advance into the, uh, the conference championship game. So it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Mike, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, got a couple of legends going in the other game. What do you make of that one? And it's hard to even imagine either one of those guys walking off the field a loser. Oh, my Lord. Are you? I mean, Aaron Rodgers the MVP this season. And I don't know if you guys have had opportunities to see too many of his press conferences this year. Uh, not like in, in the past I would sit there and watch press conferences, but this year I've seen a whole lot more uh, with my time at NFL Network. His demeanor just appears different to me. Casual, laid back, um, introspective. Uh, it just There's a different vibe. And when I watch him on the football field, I think you can make the case he's – and granted, I'm making the case for him being MVP, but I could also make the case that this might be the best we've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. And, you know, this is a guy that I, I just think the world of. So you're right, you know, win or lose. And, and the fact that they're at home I think certainly helps. Going up against Tom Brady, I mean, that's what a feather in his cap if they're able to go and get this win. And this is a Tampa Bay team that's actually surged. You know, guys, I've done some freelancing with Intel Sports, so I've had a lot of Tampa Bay's games because the, the cameras from Intel are actually down at Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. So I saw mostly those teams. So I, I saw a ton of Tom Brady and that squad. And I watched that game, uh, you know, earlier this season between these two teams, and, and Brady's team just rolled in that particular matchup. They're peaking at the right time. I think what makes this matchup dangerous is if that defense from Tampa Bay has the same type of performance that they did you know, last week against New Orleans, could be a long afternoon for, for Aaron Rodgers and, and that, Tampa, uh, that Green Bay offense. I, I don't think Tampa Bay gets enough credit for being as complete a football team as they are. Everyone gravitates towards Tom Brady, and I get that. But, my God, this team defensively has got some studs on it. Is Houston going to be able to move to Sean Watson? And how did that uh, end up going so badly for that franchise? 
communication, right? I mean, that's that's becoming an issue, and we're seeing it not only on the corporate side of things. Uh, you know, we're, we're, hell, we, we were just talking about what some of the issues for the Pac-12, right? I mean, communication at times has been an issue really even in this league. When you look at the back and forth and decision-making for, you know, this past season, start and stop things uh, with regard to, you know, Pac-12 play, sometimes you got to communicate more effectively. And I think in that particular situation with Watson, I mean, it's a franchise quarterback. You make a case, man, like this top five guy, top five guy in that position in the NFL. And, you know, he feels like he doesn't have a say. And that's tough. I, I hope that they don't have to go and move him. Um, I do think there's a world that exists that maybe it's better for that franchise. I haven't gone through all the numbers in terms of salary cap space, but um, by everything that you've seen, it, that team is in a tough spot their new general manager Nick Casario he's going to have his hands full here and, and maybe if you go hey complete rebuild what can we go and get for Watson and the price would be potentially high you know maybe that puts this franchise back on a on a on an upward trajectory but you know Deshaun is he's spectacular guys you know the more you watch him on the football field the more you realize he was trying to do everything this past season and didn't have a whole lot of help so I, I just hope he's in a situation where we're not wasting his talents because he is that good how do you think Urban Meyer will do at Jacksonville? Tell me, guys, the last time a college football coach had real success in the NFL, like real success. Um, you know, is it is it Jimmy Johnson? I, I, I mean, it, would you it's say Pete hard. Carroll? Pete Carroll. You know what? That's a good one too. Although, I, you know, is Pete? So Pete was in the NFL first and then went to SC. But that's a great yeah. call. Like I, I was, you know. I think at that point, you know, people thought of Pete as more of an NFL guy. But you're, you're right. Pete Carroll is a great example of that. I, I guess the point is, right, like it's not it, it's not a lock and it's not a guarantee. And you guys know Urban from your time and his time, I should say, in Salt Lake City. Um, great football acumen. You know, Matt Liner, who I trust just because I got to work with him and, and we became buds. You know, Matt has raved about Urban Meyer as – um, you know, not only a great person and a great leader, but his, his X's and O's acumen. I just think it's different. You know, we, we were talking about communication before. I'm always surprised. I think one of the toughest adjustments from a college coach to an NFL coach is how do you communicate uh, to your players? It is a very different environment in a locker room with pros versus the college kids. And that's why I'm surprised. And I know his name gets floated every once in a while. I think if you said to me, pick the college coach right now in the country that could have the most success at the NFL level, it's David Shaw to me. I think those guys at Stanford are as close to an adult mature standpoint as any other kid that you'll get at that level than anyone else. Like I think David has just sort of been trained now over the years on how to communicate with a mature group. And I think that would, would do him really well. I know Stanford fans are probably like, are you kidding me? Let's not talk about losing David Shaw. But um, to that point, I think communication is going to be one of the biggest factors uh, that will determine Urban Meyer's success. And that, and is Trevor Lawrence going to ball out and be as good as we all think he is? Hey, Mike, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us, buddy. We really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Stay healthy and looking forward to doing it again soon. You back, too, man. Back at you, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, Mike Cam, uh, of course, he, he works now for the NFL Network, uh, but uh, worked for a long time uh, at the Pac-12 Network. So it was a great day to have Mike on and, and get his thoughts on, on both subjects. And, you know, he had an up-close and personal view of how things were going there at the Pac-12, not only with the league, but the network as well. So uh, it was great to get his insight.
Man, he he really uh, fired off some really terrific points there, didn't he? He did, absolutely. And so yeah, I wish he told us who was going to win these games, though, because I don't know about you, Jake, but I need help. No, you don't. You're going to pick Tampa and the Chiefs. I am. Yes. Yeah, but that that Patrick Mahomes situation, I know he's going to play, right? But is he going to be effective? Is he going to be in a cloud? Well. I don't know, but I still think you're going to pick Tampa and the Chiefs. Why would I pick? Why would I pick Tampa over the favored Packers? Uh, what is the line on that? Three and a half, I think. We know why you're picking Tampa. Hey, half half my family are Packers fans, so I don't. I mean, they all cheer for the Packers. It's hard for me to pick. That's like you saying I have a lot of fat friends, so I can right. call people fat. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I know Packers fans. Yeah, well, they're, they've they've invaded my family, and my invaded? son-in-law. My son-in-law is from Wisconsin, so I mean, he, he, but he is sort of uh, passed that along. Yeah, you're dancing around it, but yeah, we're, you're picking Tampa and you're picking the Chiefs. We know. I, I, how can I, the only reason to pick Tampa is because you get three and a half points, and you're picking Tom Brady uh, against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. The MVP yes. Yes. this year? That's exactly what you're going to do. Uh, I, I'm i not so sure, man. I'm waffling on this back and forth. I can't make up my mind. Sounds like someone but. hoping Jake will take Tampa so that you can slide in there and take Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> you're as bad off as I am, Austin. Yeah, don't but come, I, but here, I hate don't Tom come here and lose the way you do and then ask me those kinds of questions. I, you profess you deny your love for Tom Brady. I openly uh, profess my hatred for him. Yeah, I'll come here once every two years and ask me this these kinds of questions. I don't want to hear it from you. Show some class. Coming up next, Chucky Keaton jumps on the show. <laughs> Currently running backs coach at Utah State University. Well, an underrated part of that rant, by the way, when Gordon to told show some Boylan class to show some class. Yeah, a year after the Max Hall thing. <laughs> <laughs> Show some class. Actually, six months after. Anyway. It was, yeah. It wasn't that long after the, the Maxall thing.